This is Marla Randolph. Welcome to the Great Boomer Challenge. Today, my guest is Masami Tyson. Masami Izumita Tyson was born and raised in Yokohama, Japan, and she's lived in the United States since age 18. She received her BA and MA in the writing seminars at the Johns Hopkins University, where she was a recipient of the Sudler Prize in the Arts. After teaching creative writing at Johns Hopkins and then in high schools in Tennessee, she received her law degree from Vanderbilt Law School. Thereafter, she worked as a federal law clerk, a litigator at a law firm, and in various in-house positions at global companies such as Nissan North America. Masami left her work as an attorney in 2018 to pursue work in public service, and she currently serves as the Global Director of Foreign Direct Investment and Trade for the State of Tennessee Department of Economic and Community Development. Masami works to create jobs for Tennesseans by managing a team of directors in worldwide locations and by recruiting and supporting foreign businesses to and in the state. She interfaces with international delegations as well as various diplomatic offices and organizations located domestically and abroad in order to promote economic development in the state of Tennessee. Masami is also the state's trade director. She serves on boards and committees of several organizations, including the International Business Council and Tennessee Direct Export Council, and she is the chairperson of the board of the Japanese American Society of Tennessee. She is also a member and council leader of the national organization U.S.-Japan Council. Masami lives in Nashville with her husband, Dr. Rich Tyson, and they have three children. Masami, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You were born and raised in Japan. Um, Did you experience racism there? And what did that look like? Right. So, as you said, I was born and raised in Japan in a pretty traditional household, but with somewhat, um, should we say, forward-looking parents. For example, they gave me an international education and sent me to the U.S. for college, and here I am. Um, But I did live there until I was 18. And in terms of racism, unlike here in the United States and other parts of the world, um, I would say that there isn't this overt racism, if you will. Um, certainly, we don't have in Japan a, a racial divide or, you know, racial justice issues are, you know, not um, part of the everyday discourse in the news cycle. For example, they don't affect education policies or politics like they do here. But having said that, racism exists, in my opinion, and uh, certainly it it did when I grew up, and I believe um, we see fragments of that today as well. And I should add that I am still very much connected directly to Japan, and um, both personally and professionally, so I I believe um, what I'm going to describe to you is is current. Um, So... First, I would say that there is almost a lack of awareness um, in Japan when it comes to 
racial issues. Um, as I said, racism in Japan is much more subtle and smaller uh, in scale. And what I mean by that is, first of all, Japan likes to think that it's a very homogeneous society. And it's actually true to a large extent. So, for example, in the rural communities, um, there are very few non Japanese uh, people. Um, and uh, of course, it, this is not true in the larger cities, such as Tokyo. There are uh, a, a significant number of um, non Japanese people who live and work in the cities. Um, and, and I guess even in the rural communities, there are pockets of, for example, immigrant uh, communities. And by the way, what I'm describing here is this is about the general population. And um, I'm not talking about, for example, representation in government or leadership positions in companies and um, of which there are very few, if any. So, so that's a whole different discussion. So I'll, I'll just leave that at that. But in any event, as I said, because Japan is such a, a homogeneous society and um, certainly thinks it is the case more than it actually is, there is this very strong us versus them mentality. And so the end result is that anyone who is different is exactly that, different. Um, and at uh, the least, I mean, at, at the, how should I say, um, most subtle level or at at least it's definitely true, I think, in most Japanese people's mentality that we have a society that is quite exclusive and doesn't celebrate diversity or being different, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So again, this has nothing to do with race. It's just the Japanese mindset and anything that is not the norm is not good or at the very least a nuisance. So, um, but having said that, the good news is in general, I think the younger generation and some others as well are more woke um, and so are aware that, first of all, Japan is not as homogeneous as it likes to think it is. And that this idea of being exclusive and not liking anyone who's different is a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so... The other thing about Japan is there is a very large immigrant population from other Asian countries, such as South Korea and China. And they've been a part of, of the Japanese society for many generations now. Um, and for example, many things in the Japanese culture, such as art um, and even the writing system came from the Asian continent um, and specifically China and Korea. And yet there are many in Japan who would discriminate against those from China and Korea and those uh, from those countries that have become naturalized citizens, for example. So these naturalized Japanese and longtime residents may even hide the fact themselves that they are of uh, Chinese or Korean origin. And what's very interesting is they speak Japanese very fluently, and certainly if their families have been there for many generations, complete, completely on a native level. And what's interesting is that their appearance is very similar to Japanese. So, you know, they just keep quiet about the family history because they don't want to be different and they don't want to stand out. And I've heard of stories of um, celebrities, for example, that 
get exposed on the internet, for example, for actually being from one of those Southeast Asian countries. It's just very, very sad. And by the way, not just the culture, but most Japanese people are from the Asian continent, um, you know, from hundreds of years ago, um, other than the indigenous, indigenous group called Ainu. They are akin to Native Americans in the United States. I, I bet you didn't know about that. I um, did not. Yeah. So but- anyway, I mean, not just culture, but people, Japanese people themselves, many centuries ago are not originally from Japan. So it's absolutely hypocritical. Um, but I should also note that what I'm describing here is more of an ethnic discrimination versus a racial discrimination. But the psyche of excluding anyone who is different obviously translates to racial differences as well. Um, and, and interestingly, I've noted and experienced people talking about the fact that there seems to be a much uh, less negative reaction when it comes to white people in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, versus other brown people or black people. And, but I've also heard um, my, my sort of uh, European American friends, white friends in Japan talk about the fact that while they're treated very well, they often still feel like an outsider. Um, So anyway, um, so now that I describe it, perhaps the racism is not as subtle as I <laughs> said it was initially. But again, the idea of racism is not as prevalent in Japan as it is here, and, and certainly very different from what we experience here in the U.S. How does this racism, especially against other Asians, um, play out day to day? Is it it's largely in employment, usually economically based racism or... Yeah, that's a good question. I think yes and yes um, in some cases. But like I said, many people, many people in those groups hide the fact themselves so that they're not discriminated against. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it's it's also, I don't know, it takes place in the form of gossip. You know, did you know that so-and-so is actually of Korean descent, etc. But again, I'm hopeful, like I said, that more recently, this is not the case anymore. And they have assimilated, I don't mean in a cultural sense, but accepted is the word I'm looking for um, in Japan and as a society. That's so good to hear. I mean, I can imagine perhaps the older generation, mm-hmm. if someone were to be dating someone, correct, get some questions about their ancestry, perhaps, or something yes. like that. Yes. And sadly, I had some relatives say that to me um, when I was coming to the U.S. And they were, I guess, aware of the fact that there are, you know, more, uh, this is a much more diverse society. And I might meet people of different um, national and ethnic origins. And they actually mentioned the fact that um, it would not be a good idea for me to um, marry someone. Uh, from other Southeast Asian countries, ah, sadly. I see. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for explaining all of that, especially I'd certainly had 
not thought about indigenous peoples, but it really makes sense for all of us that there, you know, there are people, groups that would have been where we are before settlements. Absolutely. And yet we feel so entitled, right? To oh, be yes, we do. <laughs> where we originally were not from anyway. Yes, right. So you had been told that racism was a thing of the past in the United States. Mm-hmm. Describe what it was like to arrive here and find out that was not the case. Yeah, so, um, well, it was a slow and gradual realization sure. um, with a pretty intense period of realization over the last four or five years. Um, now, perhaps that was true for many people, not just right. me as an immigrant. But um, so before moving to the United States, as I explained, I I, I didn't really uh, encounter racism the way um, we, we experience it here in the U.S., and then about the United States, I, I certainly didn't think about it being an issue here today in modern day United States, um, because I think that was sort of the messaging we got as I grew up in Japan and I learned about, um, you know, slavery and all that in the United States. But it was so it was of the past and it's now we're past that. Um and then when I arrived in the United States, it was in 1989 to attend college. I, um, for most of the next decade, I was in a university setting. So I was in a pretty diverse environment um, with students from all over the world. And things seemed fair and equal. And um, I just wasn't really aware, or I certainly didn't personally experience any uh, racism, whether it was against me or against others. And on the other hand, I was struck by the diversity, the different races compared to what I saw in Japan. And then, of course, I was so blessed to be part of this amazing, wonderful church when I was in college and grad school in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Faith Christian Fellowship. I, I believe you had Maria Garriott on your podcast um, recently the pastor's wife um, from that church. And this church was so uniquely uh, racially diverse. Um, Well, it turns out uniquely, so I didn't realize at the time. Right. But since it was the first church I attended in the U.S., I I thought that was normal, and I took it for granted. So, and then I I moved here um, to Nashville, Tennessee. But again, I I attended law school. um, almost as soon as I moved here, a couple of years after I moved here. So again, it was still a pretty racially diverse environment. Um, although I, I think, I, I don't think it was as diverse as um, college and grad school in Baltimore. And if I think about it carefully, um, most of the professors were white now that I think about it. I know it's changed now. Um, this was 20 years ago, but um, it didn't bother me, I guess. Um, because remember, I came from a very quote homogeneous society, and so it didn't it didn't bother me that not all races were represented uh, equally. However, I think it was during those years that I I first started feeling uncomfortable that I wasn't the main or the majority um, race. Isn't that 
funny how that happens. So when you're the subject of something, when it finally happens to you, then you begin to understand what the problem might be. So, and then eventually when I left university and um, law school and joined the workforce and living in the South, I grew a little lethargic of being one of the first or one of the few Asians um, or sometimes the token one in a given setting. And I think, um, and I've been saying it now for 20 years, I would say to my husband many times, I wish I could live in a place where people around me look like me. Mm. And um, he is white, by the way. So, so I guess uh, not racism necessarily, but began to become more aware of issues surrounding race. Um, but still, I, I, I just wasn't aware. Uh, I, I was quite oblivious to what was really going on. Um, and again, just to repeat, I, I think it was part because I came from such a different environment and didn't even know the vocabulary or couldn't even understand the concept of racism in the United States today fully. Um, because after all, I had learned again, in Japan, that the United States was a place that celebrates differences, you know, potpourri of cultures, and everyone is accepted, etc. So, um, and then, and then, uh, of course, I, as I continue to live here and became an adult, and became more involved, and aware, I started raising children, I realized that what I had learned was just not true. And as I befriended people from different races, started working with them, heard their personal stories and how, I mean, how could one not see once you live here and just pay a little bit of attention? So that, that's, that's when I began to realize that the U.S. has a long way to go, um, just like everywhere else in the world. And and I, I, of course, also encountered some personal instances of uh, racism against me. And, and I, I think that's when I, I came to a full realization. Hmm. Are you willing to share anything about those personal instances? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I don't like to um, label any acts of racism as small or big. Um, or anything in between. It is what it is. And I don't think any of it is acceptable. But I would say on the most part, what I've experienced is quite um, mild, if you will. Um, things like being told that, um, just, just explicitly told um, that my English is quite good, despite the way I look. Um, or oh, Terrible. Yeah, or um, you know, um, of course, I'm I'm an immigrant. I'm a first generation American, and I was telling my story, and somebody point blank said to me, "Well, it is just uh, very nice to talk to a productive immigrant," and that's that's a, a real insult, not just to me, but to all the other immigrants in this country. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that is very insulting. Yeah. And I personally am sorry that you had to endure that. Yes. Hmm. Wow. 
that is that is hurtful. For sure. Um, but I think also it made me think about what do I say, or maybe not say, but think when I see people of certain races and the stereotypes that I grew up hearing about or you know, just automatically associate with certain races. I mean, all of that when it adds up, or even on on that individual scale, none of that is acceptable. No, right. And I remember you when we first talked. You said you don't like the term microaggression for that mm-hmm. reason because nothing is micro about it. That's right. It happens, and and it is cumulative, and it does happen. And it, when it happens. All day long, or several mm-hmm. times a day, it it it, uh, it is uh, it affects people physically, emotionally, so mm-hmm. many different ways. For sure. And one thing I have been thinking about a lot is how to react when people say things like that to me. And I think I went through many years of just sort of accepting comments like that. And um, maybe just laughing a little bit, um, just being awkward. And, you know, it's it's difficult to know what to say. I, I guess I've come to the conclusion that for me personally, most of those comments come from a place of ignorance and not necessarily anything that is um, certainly not hateful. Um, and, and in the instance of this gentleman, I'm thinking in particular um, about when he complimented my English, he, he really was complimenting me. He thought he was saying something that was going to make my day. Mm. But again, it comes from a place of ignorance. And um, so, you know, I think one of my um goals here is to raise awareness and the fact that those things are unacceptable and the fact that just because I look different doesn't mean that you know I can't speak English very well so right yeah thank you thank you for sharing those things um thank you for joining me for part one of my interview with Masami Tyson I think that in part two, you will grow even more in your appreciation for her commitment to honesty and integrity on every level. Thank you for listening.